madmen, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. What is wrong with you? Honestly, why is it that every time a man takes you out to lunch around here, you're, you're the dessert? Hello and welcome to They Coined It, a madman, all things madmen, madmen. <laughs> I'm a little goofy this morning. I'm Roberta Lip. How are you, Dan Jasper? I'm very good, Roberta. You're looking fine. I'm looking almost fine. And we're uh, ready to talk about ladies' room. I'm looking translucent. Uh, we are recording this <laughs> still mid-pandemic shutdown, so I haven't seen the sun. Ladies' room. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Crazy... You know, Good, I, I haven't watched this in years and years. It's been years and years. Yeah. And uh, first of all, what was so shocking is how much is packed into this episode. Oh my, every, every scene. The volume of, of information and clues and um, terrific dialogue, of course, but just setting up the relationship. You know, this was the first episode after the pilot had been picked up. So you've got the pilot, which as we know, Matthew Weiner wrote years and years before, shopped it around, finally yep. got it made, even after it was made and cast and so forth, took a while for, for the show to be picked up on AMC. So he doesn't have the rest of the series written, you know, at that time. So this was really the kickoff to, okay, now I've got a longer form story to tell. These characters have to have you know, real life qualities, they need to exist, you know, more than just for for an hour's worth of content. So you can see uh, almost like it's a second version of the pilot in many ways. You're filling in a lot of the holes, you're filling in a lot of the exposition that needs to be established for the characters and for the relationships. But what stuck out to me, because that happens with every show to some degree, um, what stuck out to me here, Roberta, was um, how many of those relationships and setups and things that were alluded to end up becoming huge, long? That's right. <laughs> throughout yeah. the series, you know, there's payoff down and down the road. Everything from you know attitudes towards psychiatry, relationships between Don and Roger. That's right. Relationships to really everything. Um, yeah, there's almost there's in one way or another. There's like no regrets. There's no, in terms of like, you know, Matt Weiner didn't look back a year later and go, oh, crap. That, no, this was... Yeah, I, I wrote myself into a corner on that one. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. And, uh, uh, um, and my brain just, which is fine. So, let, so let's set up. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit just about what the episode covers. Yeah. And then we can get into some specific... So uh, original air thoughts. date, July 26th. 2007, written by Matthew Weiner, directed by Alan Taylor. So you've got the same setup as... Yeah, writer uh, and director. Writer and director as the pilot. I also want to add to what you said, which is um, they also moved to California. Uh, they right, The yeah. pilot was shot in New York City. Midge's incredible apartment in particular mm -hmm. is, is uh, you know, much sometimes talked about, and uh, much and sometimes. And... Um, that had to get re recreated uh, mm -hmm. on on set in L in L.A. Uh, so <laughs> the description of this episode, 
how is plot wise, you know, plot wise, it's a little thin plot wise. It's, it's, we meet for, we meet Betty. Yeah. Um, we meet Betty Draper and going back to as what you character. were as a character, what going back to what you were saying, my God, they cast her for that one moment mm. <laughs> for that one moment at yeah. the end of, uh, again, no regrets at the end of the pilot, not, and here, you know, without any dialogue or very little dialogue. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Betty, but, uh, Basically, we, uh, Betty and um, there's a, there's a dinner, and then Betty is having an issue with her hands, and it right. ends with the 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 final the final decision that Betty goes to see a psychiatrist as a plot. Right. That's not much. That's right. Um, Betty's and, nervous. Betty has some sort of underlying um, anxiety. I think that's clear, the way we would call it today. But back then, what I find fascinating is the conversations that she and Don have throughout the episode, mm. where, you know, it, it's introduced, actually, the idea of psychiatry is introduced at that dinner, which is really the first kickoff scene. Yes. And, uh, the Sterling's daughter is going to psychiatrist. And it's sort of like, almost, you know, the, the way things are now, you know, my daughter goes to this special camp or my daughter got picked to go here, you know, lots of bragging rights. Then it was, uh, you know, our daughter's, you know, got so many, such a grown up, she's going to psychiatry, you know. Right. Um, and Roger, you know, puts a dig in about, about, you know, being spoiled and all the rest. But so also his, his, his yeah. attitude and, and, and I mean, so much of what this episode is about is, uh, it's right. What do women want? Is men trying to understand women? Is women's attitude, mm-hmm. men and women's attitudes about their own, about the role of women? Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, one of the themes, one of the things that Roger keeps saying, and uh, is is whose problem is this woman going to be? Right. I'm going Which to send explicitly what he says, explicitly what he says. Can't wait until I send her off. And he's she's someone else's problem. And in the meantime, she's okay. this psychiatrist's problem. And then we have Betty, who is uh, so childlike and asks Don, I didn't write down how many times, but I think it was 400 billion. Should do you think I should go to this psychiatrist? It was so obvious she wanted to. That's and right. she couldn't even be with that for herself. Right. Right. Yeah. She was, she, this wasn't, it was her life going to be decided by, by someone else. I mean, and, and as we come to learn, that's, that's Betty's breeding, you know, right. entirely, you know, to do that. So she's simply doing as she's been conditioned since day one. We know this. Um, but, you know, to me, the, the, the reaction when she, she and Don are discussing it in the kitchen, one of the times that she says, should I go? And, you know, he's against it at the beginning because it's a reflection on him. You, That's right. You, you know, as, as he explains later, people who go to psychiatrists because they're unhappy. Why would you be unhappy? I've given you everything. Why would you need? What is there to be unhappy about? As if they're as if the underlying or beneath the surface doesn't exist. It's a rational. It's a rational um, expression anxiety when in reality of course we know it's not a rational expression yeah it's... Uh, or to or to reaction to other things it's not a matter of saying i'm happy therefore i don't need any help with anything that's just not the way life works but i guess they I guess that's how they thought it worked or or um 
I mean, they talk a lot about happiness and, but we have all this and we're lucky. That's a, that's Mm -hmm. a continuing theme in the episode. Um, and, and just thinking about what you just said, Don is, um, you know, we don't know Don very well yet, but you and I do. And we, you can see right there, he's really disconnected from, uh, what would, (laughs) hello doggy. (laughs) yeah. But, but to, he's really disconnected. They're all disconnected from the idea of looking internally for your happiness. Like Don, right. Don, we, we find out, and, and we even talked about this in the pilot. We, we saw that he has his own anxiety, right? <laughs> and like, yeah. he, he doesn't even have a, a, a concept of, he's like, what, what do you mean you're not happy? Look at all the things you have and those children. He's not, right. he doesn't know where to look. F- no, no, it's like none of them know where to, where to look for happiness, right. for their happiness right. or how right. to assess that. Um, well, Don's a guy with identity issues. He's not going to have a firm handle on inner happiness or self-contentment or any of these kinds of, you know, there's the, the, the plot evolves in this direction. But right. The, the, you know, we learn that Don's not a guy that can, um, it's all about moving forward. There's just no, there, there, there's no reflection of, um, you know, how I got these things or whether I deserve these things or, the, or, or understanding that if you don't deserve these things and you still take them, that that might cause other types of anxieties or problems. And as we see, you know, Don's created a, a huge tangle for himself. Yeah, that he spends the rest of <laughs> the rest of Mad Men yeah. <laughs> working out. That's right. He, um, and he's he's all. He's all, am I, aren't I doing, what do you mean we're not happy? Aren't I doing this right? He's yeah. all about the position. And Betty, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm jumping to the, <laughs> Betty uh, getting the most, I mean, the final breakdown of Betty when when Don finally says, okay, we'll send you to the psychiatrist is, oh my mm-hmm. God, forget about if I had ch- killed the children what if i had given sally a scar scar. she's so wrapped up in i mean not wrapped up it's beyond anything yeah you know you or i have ever experienced in in a level of shallow that is the scar (laughs) is right all the most intolerable thing all of her value and by the way just little shout out to little tiny kieran and shipka (laughs) just nailing it from the beginning yeah Big time, big time. Um, so yeah, and in fact, when in that kitchen conversation, they're talking about whether she should go, and uh, Don only looks at it as a reflection on him, as we've as yeah. we've said. Yeah. You're going. I've sort of failed. I've got a wife in therapy. What what did I do wrong? Right. And and that anger of him contemplating that or having to be confronted with that is when he says. Uh, they leave and she says, oh, I've got dishes. And he says, leave it for the girl. Like really mm. sharp. Yes. You know, kind of like we've got a maid for that. Don't forget how affluent we are. That's right. You know? Good. Good one. And it's and it's just so it's all there. It's just it's all laid out. Every every line of dialogue kind of has a, uh, a, a meaning behind it, which, of course, is the hallmark of the show. So, yeah. So we, we get we get right into it. And I want to point out one thing I so love about this show is. You know, you've got a character in his mid-50s like Roger Sterling at that point. You know, he was born in, you know, somewhere between 1900 and 1910. He grew up in the 10s and the 20s. Those, that, that was his heyday. So 
and this happens throughout the series and it's just so enjoyable. So he's at, you know, they're at this dinner uh, with, with the wives. And he says, he talks about wrapping his fried chicken in wax paper. You know, this mm. is such a, such a, a early century kind of image. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Um, and, or, you know, he had, they had a German nanny and his parents fired her after the Lindbergh baby, you know, like what? these kinds of, one of yeah. these kinds of crazy references that, you know, make a lot of sense. Not everyone's talking about, you know, that, that point in time, the 1960s, they're, they're not stuck in it. They're, they're thinking back the way we might to the eighties or the nineties or something. Yeah. The, the dialogue definitely reflects so his, uh, they're, they're, they don't, it's like he doesn't, he, meaning Matt Weiner, doesn't sensationalize these allusions. These, these, no, it's just, no, it's as casual as you and I would talk about wham or something, right? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, and another, another, another little madman touch that is uh, so beautiful. Um, I, I want to talk about that first. I want to talk about all this, the ladies' rooms themes, but that first mm-hmm. scene in the ladies' room. Wow. Um, one of the things, just to, to go to what you're saying, and then and then I want to get into that scene, is um, Mona. Okay, so uh, if for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Mona, Roger Sterling's wife, Mona Sterling is played by Talia Balsam, who is Balsam. John Slattery's real life wife, and I just love her. I just think she is the most perfectly cast. George Clooney's first wife. Let's let's say that. Were they married? Let's I thought they just up. dated. I don't think he was married. Mm. He was married mm. for a hot minute. Am I wrong? Listeners, let us know. <laughs> let us know. I don't believe George Clooney was ever married before. He is now married. Um, I hear you googling. All right, listeners. Oh yeah. Dan's going to beat you at this. They All were right. married. Thank you. They were married. Oh, fuck. That's right. Wow. Eighty-nine to ninety-three. My absolute bad. 89 to 93. Don't ever, don't ever. Don't. Sorry. My, my, anyway, (laughs) Mona Sterling's makeup, her style of lipstick in particular is older fashioned. Betty is, uh, we will discover very soon that Betty is a former model. So she's not just pretty because they cast a pretty actress. They wrote it in how beautiful Don and Betty are, right? So she's cutting edge, uh, and her makeup is right on trend. And a lesser show would would have all the makeup be right on trend. But this Everybody's is not... current in 1960. Exactly. But this is not a lesser show. And Mona's lipstick, there is a dog barking. Please enjoy our lives. Yes, it is our lives. Dog, it's going <laughs> to um, happen. It's going to happen. Um, uh but Mona's lipstick is much more, you know, 40s, 50s. And it just is. And it's just one because of those. Because you, dre- you dressed the way you dressed when you were sort of coming of age. That's that's what it is. And if you came of age in the 30s and 40s, you're going to dress like that pretty much the rest of your life. or some. some you may or you may not. I can't. I mean, I've, I've tried to stay on trend with some things and with other things not so much. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many uh, women I know that same haircut since high school. Same hair since high school. You know, That's it's right. just my one. Anyway, that is that is a thing. So I do really want to talk about that scene. Um, so you've got Betty trying to put her lipstick on, and then we see this weird thing happening with her hands. Mm-hmm. And then Mona, she asks Mona for help, and you know she's she's <laughs> the dog. 
I'm sorry. It must it's be a or something. It's, there's <laughs> absolutely no way for me no, to there's not, it. No, so. no, no. We're not. I'm just, I have to acknowledge it because it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm not feeling so swell. We paused so that Dan could um, stop the murderer uh, mm-hmm. mailman from um, upsetting the dog. And thank you. Right. We had an attack on our home and I'm back now. Everybody's fine. Um, okay. So in the ladies room, we've got Betty. We see this thing with her hands. She's putting on the lipstick. You've got Mona. Um, so one thing is uh, Mona says something about hard to hold on to a man like that. And here's Betty's response, which is hard to hold on to anything right now. What with the kids and the, but that's the line while she is literally incapable of holding on to lipstick. It's just, mm-hmm. that's just some beautiful writing right there. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then this is one of my favorite um, poetic moments. Uh, she then says, my mother died three months ago. And Mona stares at her and does not respond. She's blank <laughs> stares at her. My mother died three months ago. Pause. And then the ladies room attendant, you hear in the background a voice say, I'm sorry. And then she continues to, you ladies need to move along. We have other patrons that need the mirrors. But it's, my mother died three months ago. I'm sorry. I just, that is just, right. you know, we, we, again, we're watching this through, Dan and I are watching this through a few different lenses. And one is remembering the lens and, and you know, for, for those of you that are new to well, how this show is hitting us the first time. And I'm watching well, this going, like anyth- I've never seen anything it's like, like this. Anything else. It's like anything else that actors do, which is, it's a choice. The attendant could have interjected with any phrase. Yes. Excuse, excuse me, me. that's right right you know it was not uh, excuse hey, me hey hey move along you know there's any way that that the, the the attendant could have interjected the i'm sorry was very intentional to your point to uh to what say was... the thing that mona was not saying unbelievable it, <laughs> mona it's didn't just, it's yeah it's just a wonderful thing and 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 things like that are their own payoff it's not like that's going to come back you know there's just there's the moments and it's, listen, we're going to be doing these episodes and we're going to be talking with you about, our, you know, hopefully get some listeners to really engage about these shows and why it's so great. It's those moments. It's those little things. It's its its, its own payoff. There's, there's just beauty in the writing and the structure and all the little details that if you're willing to uh to really explore it with us, we're, we're going to have some fun with it. So that's that's simply a great one. And I'll I'll mention in that scene, by the way, uh, along those lines. Uh, actually, it's later. I'm sorry. It's it's the other ladies' room scene. There's three. I think there's. I think there's three. I think you. Well, they come across Bridget and Sterling Cooper. That's right. Room. And then later, lady, late, late, my my one. mouth stopped working. Later in Sterling Cooper, uh, Peggy goes back to the ladies' room where she. It seems like she goes in there to cry herself, but in but then she sees another crier and she does. Well, let's so let's let's go back. Yeah, three then. Yeah, so we we have Moda and and Betty in the ladies' room. Then we have um, uh, Joan and Peggy hitting a ladies' room where Bridget. They reference her name. I don't think she has a name. Otherwise, yeah, no, uh, she's not up. Bridget is crying and it's unexplained. And Peggy takes notice and Are you okay? And there's a shot 
this is, I guess, Alan Taylor's handiwork, a shot of you see Bridget, but you also see a mirror of Joan shooing Peggy yeah. along. Yeah. <laughs> where it's kind of like, don't, Joan, don't wanna... Joan gives her the ixnay on the obbing say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And scray. Um, uh, and it, the, 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 the visions in the mirrors and how they all kind of work together and you're, it's all three of the women in the one shot. And it's right. just absolutely gorgeous the way that that happens. But, you know, that's the second ladies room scene. And then we have the third one where Peggy goes in towards the end and yeah, we're led to believe that Peggy's going to break down, but we start to see that Peggy is made of sterner stuff. She, she is not one of the ladies sobbing in the ladies room, at least not now that might change, but there are, um, there are clues here that Peggy, you know, we, we also learned that, you know, they re- reference her blushing and she objects. Yes. She says, I don't blush. Yeah. So she is, she is, she is positioning herself as a, uh, a hard ass as not like the other girls in many, many ways. That, that, and, di- um, that Let's talk about that okay. diner scene a, a minute. And it, it, we're bouncing around and it is hard not to this episode. I mean, a lot of Mad Men episodes, if not all of them, but there's, this, this episode, no plot, but there's just a lot of, it's, there's so much, there's so much content. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the trademarks about of Mad Men is you, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going to end up. So now we're in this diner. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that um, it was a little surprising to go back and look at Joan having lunch with everybody. That's hard to. Yeah. Jo- Joan Joan ends up, I think, more al- more aloof. I think that's one thing that they made maybe amended a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't jo- jo- I don't see Joan lunching with the gang. As no, a they use Peggy being new as a little bit of a, an excuse to maybe set that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but. Uh, Again, so much happened. The the uh, all those guys, um, you know, quote whining and dining, if you will. Uh, Peggy as a new girl, and Ken Ken making the pass at her before Paul makes the the pass at her, which we can get to. But what I, when they walk away, so Joan sets that whole thing up, right? Like like mm-hmm. like allows them to get taken to lunch as they're leaving. See, what I would have done, because uh, I'm not Peggy, is turn to Joan as we're walking out the door and been like, geez, what the fuck with the guys? What, what the, right. with those guys? But she doesn't. She puts, right. she, she pulls those pantyhose all the way up, you know, <laughs> she just, and she, yeah. and, and, and. Swallows um, hard. Swallows yeah. hard. And, and, you know, they were, they were nice. <laughs> well, she, she, she also knows Joan's not Joan's not Joan's not, not her friend. One not to, not not your friend, not the one to complain to. Certainly, but who are you? Com- who would you be complaining to? Someone who's encouraging it, who's a go along, get along gal. Yeah, and um, yeah, that you, you go, cry into your pillow or in the yeah. ladies' room, as it were, but not not to Joan. And you can't win with Joan. Joan is taunting her <laughs> for right. for putting out for for not <laughs> for not sleeping with anybody and for sleeping with anybody all at the same time. Right. No question. No question. A few more things that get set up here that I think are worth worth pointing out in this terrific episode. Um, John, uh, John's John Ham, um, Don's mysteriousness. Yes. Um, they refer, you know, Roger, even in the first scene, talks about, you know, how he, where you're from or you don't talk about yourself or, I'm, from, you know, and Don plays it off. I'm from the Midwest. I was raised, blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, we 
it seems like nonsense and turns out it is, but that, um, you know, even with Betty in bed, she, right. You've got you, Betty right? going, who you are got, you? And you, but you, then you realize that these are people that have been married, you know, six years. How old is, how old is, um, Sally's five or six. Sally's about five. Yeah. So she's, they got to be married maybe six years and she doesn't know him. She doesn't know him. She doesn't know him. So something I wanted to say about, uh, about this episode and again, the discovery of the show and and it, it ties directly into this. I remember at this stage of my viewing thinking that, uh, that these were some, uh, stereotypical characters that we were seeing a perfect blonde wife, a a yeah. husband, a husband, ad man, and a, a, paper thin, paper right? Thin. A, a, a psychiatrist, and um, and and what what we discover is no, that's Betty's strange and different, and her child, like you know, it wasn't a commentary on wives; it was Betty Draper, and um, uh, and and Don, as, as you you know, so the the commentary was wasn't um sometimes wives just don't know their husbands this was very mm. specific to yeah, these two people this couple is entirely um uh th- th- there there's a there's a lot going on under the surface here nobody's acknowledging it um and these mysteries are not are not normal and she's real it's uh, just getting this just getting this for the first time just now she's you know you marry your perfect person he found the one woman who finds herself unworthy of asking those questions. Yeah. You know? So true. He's yeah. a guy who's a mystery. He needed a woman who thinks it's okay to not know and to, yeah. to stay a stranger and to be, again, that childlike quality. He's kind of daddy. As good looking at these two, you have more options and you're going to find the person that fills those gaps for you just the way you want. And, uh, and, and, it, 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 it's all laid out there, which is pretty amazing. Um, I'll move on to, to the office a little bit. Mm. Um, I love the scene after the guys are horsing around with the right guard spray mm. can, the aerosol, and we meet Bert Cooper. Oh, I, I, I was, I knew you'd be so happy. I mean, I was happy oh, to see him, but so great. Dan, and Dan Bert, Jasper is a, is a Bert Cooper fanboy. Fan, fan There's no other. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because, and again, it's it, brilliant character, brilliantly written, and of course, brilliantly acted by by Robert Morris. And we have him here, and it's our first time. We don't know Cooper from anybody, and they're horsing around. I guess they rip off Ken's shirt and they they spray him with the aerosol, the right guard deodorant. And again, in perfect Mad Men style, the opening line from Bert Cooper reflects his relationship with Roger and the rest of the firm. It's not just the boss coming in and going, hey, guys, you know, shape up or what are you guys doing? Quit horsing around. Right. It's the guy that says, I thought the horse, I thought the Navy attitude around here was because of Sterling. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so our first entree to the world of Britt Cooper is his displeasure with his partner, the son of his original partner. Roger Sterling. I thought it was Sterling. I see you guys are just as big uh, goof-offs as that Sterling guy. Yeah, again, so much content, right? One right? one line I mean, that could have could have been a throwaway gives you Ster- a lot of information. You're, you're brought right into relationships and juxtapositions and so forth. 
Um, and Don, because he's Don, kind of barely blinks. You know, he makes the line about, oh, we can't sell bras to women or whatever. But, um, you know, he shoots the guys a look as he leaves, but it's not, <laughs> it's not like he's crushed by Bert walking in on this. He kind of just plays it off, which is really brilliant. And that's how John Hamm plays his character and it's 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 right. wonderful but it's all right there in episode two it's yeah it's really quite brilliant i want to also again i like the little bit of um <clears throat> excuse me thematic poetry we're we're pitching uh deodorant they have that whole scene um at lunch at the diner or no when they mm-hmm. invite when they ask when the when the guys ask betty betty peggy <clears throat> excuse me and joan to lunch Peggy says, they do smell nice. And then later, Midge says to Don, take a shower, you stink. <laughs> um, so, and there may have yeah. been some I missed, but there's a right. lot about smelly men. <laughs> yeah, it's a big smelly man episode. Um, and again, this is this is very much a show about men. I mean, about, about, mm-hmm. about the dynamics, the, I mean, this episode within this show is, is very much yeah. about the dynamics between men and women. I mean, what Ken says in that scene or what they say to Ken is pretend it's your prom night. Mm-hmm. And what I couldn't help but notice is they really do assault him and he's really upset about it. Like a mm-hmm. person who got assaulted, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's right. not fun for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they just, this is their attitude towards women. They, they, they really establish in this episode right out loud what they think women deserve. And I'd like to talk about the kitchen scene with uh, Francine and Betty. I would like to say hello, Ann Dudek. Love you. Miss you. <sighs> she was at the same time. It was later in the same season that I was watching House when House was current. And mm-hmm. she was this new character on there. And I was many episodes in before I put those two women together. She's just oh, yeah. brilliant. Not a false moment steals every scene she's in she's so with great. Betty mostly mm-hmm. steals every single scene she's in. And it's perfect. Uh, you know, we're around to the other ladies with Betty, just the two of them mostly. But she is the the perfect, um, somewhat smart alecky, sharp, funny, yeah. um, salty uh, neighbor. Yes. That Betty relies on, but is also sort of like the real world crushing in on Betty in many ways. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see that happen too. But, um, and of but course, no, whether Andrew Deck is priceless. Yes, she's a gem. What they talk about, of course, is, is the new neighbor, Helen Bishop, who is <gasps> divorced, mm-hmm. and, divorced and and worse than what it could mean, you know, personally, is, what, is, is there goes, literally, they say there goes mm-hmm. the neighborhood. But that is, that appears to be the idea of a divorced woman. And what will happen to her, uh, and and ha- how that plays on Betty is is what ostensibly leads leads to the car accident. She sees Helen m- no moving question. in, right? Exactly. So that's a that is a huge stress stressor for her. Also, so yeah. going back to that kitchen, you don't, to, you don't have to be Freud to put that. Together. No, no, that wasn't it. wasn't <laughs> That one wasn't subtle. Uh, that one wasn't something yeah. anybody missed. But um. But but also just that scene was was uh, the kitchen scene with the two of the two women uh, was uh, was ended with the with the double punchline of um, and there aren't too many. It kind of goes back to that Xerox, that Xerox yeah. line in, in the pilot. You've got um, the two of them sitting there smoking and then 
Francine stands up, all kinds of pregnant, followed by the children running in, Sally yeah. Sally covered in the plastic bag, yeah. and Betty getting mad because the dry cleaning better not be on the floor. Not you might right. die. <laughs> and I think, but what I what I took from that, I of course I've seen a lot of folks talked about. I, I'm glad to see that in Mad Men, there are relatively few of those. There are. Yes. It's not. It's not like this self-referential thing, where everyone's making sort of post-ironic remarks about you know child safety. It's about my clothes. Right. Yada yada. The show works on much subtler notes. Yeah. Than that, with regard to history and moving forward and backward, it's not meant to be. I'll say this a number of times: it's not Forrest Gump. You Correct. Know, it's not. It's not that kind of on the nose thing. I mean, there there's moments where things like that happen, and it's and it's noted, but um, generally we're working on a subtler wavelength, which is which is great. When we discussed the pilot, you know, the same thing that that Xerox. It's like there's as though there's some magical machine, and I thought, well, that's clever. And if this show is just a lot of that, I'm, I don't know if I like yeah. it. And Anybody it, it, could write that. It yeah. isn't, you know, the, 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 the plastic bag in particular was a, it was a, it was a hell of a one, two punch, the smoking yeah. pregnant and the plastic bag, but the show yeah, isn't exactly. made up of that. It's not made up of that at all. Um, it really isn't. Uh, um, so, you know, back to the, to the office where they're pitching Don ideas for, right guard and for the mm. campaign and what know, do this women... is after he's yeah he, he gets to, to what yeah. do women want but you know remember the pitches were all futuristic this is the space age the can is this space age item and people are going to want it because it's futuristic and what is don's reaction is fascinating for someone that talks will be talking about his life moving forward only um it's all there he what does he do he looks backward he doesn't want to look forward looking forward is concern over psychiatry or what if what if things are you know he's just come from this i think somewhat um you know contentious discussion with betty over the psychiatrist and all the rest and he comes into the office and he's confronted with the future he's confronted with these pitches about astronauts and space age and so forth and he goes no it's you know, the man, the cowboy brings home the cattle every night and all this kind of real uh, myth-making, traditional, right. uh, yesterday-looking type of stuff. It's, it's His response to the pitch is a list of his own fears and insecurities, 100%. And we'll see Don do that over and over again. I mean, that's a hallmark of, you know, the, the way the show is written and Don's response to the creative process is always about his own life and his own insecurities he's looking backward not forward yeah and, and it often it, um, he's a yeah. he's a brilliant ad man and you know we'll see over the seven year run everyone you know sometimes it does not it does not come out to be the best ad but more often than not he nails mm -hmm. it he he does right. go for nostalgia which is a huge theme of this uh, season and remember the mm -hmm. his drink is an old-fashioned right? right it starts there um but he you know, listen, by the time he gets to it, which is in Midge's apartment, right? And by the time he said, what do women want? Uh, and I just blanked out. Any, any reason to get close. Any excuse to get closer. <laughs> any That's excuse fair. to get closer. So he, he right. nails it. You know, he does. Yeah. He does see, because he, he sees how people, he sees that this is how we're living. How we're living is the women is, the, the woman is going to be buying the deodorant for the man. Yeah. 
because every time as we've talked about right these three these three moments of of referring it's all about how you smell for it's they smell nice it's how the men smell for the women mm, right it's exactly. through the yeah it's so and and that's and that's why don's process is always about putting there's an element of soul in his in his copy and whatever gets produced uh right we see this later even in uh, the seasons going forward about other other ads that he'll produce um his soul is is right there up front with it and that's why it's responded to that's why he's great at it but it's also a hindrance he's able he's unable sometimes to get out of himself he's unable to you know look beyond his own fears and insecurities sometimes now that's the stuff of really great ad work a, a lot of times but um I think he's closer to being a dinosaur than he is to being cutting edge for a really long time in a lot of ways. That doesn't mean there's not more great work to come, but um, there's there's a ceiling, I think, on some of that. With him. Yeah. But but that that that's what we explore throughout all of this. I would like um, to touch on Paul and yeah. Peggy, if I may. Oh, I forgot about that entire scene. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> the wonderful Michael Gladys. What I want to say about Paul and Peggy, there's a couple things. One is he seems to prematurely uh, and without, <laughs> perhaps without warrant, uh, acknowledge her intelligence. And so is if the, I don't know if that's all a ploy uh, on his part, but he's like, you, you yes, go ahead, right? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. You go ahead and read it. Um, yeah, I think it just happened to be for the right audience, which was her, as yeah, we will discover right. more about Peggy's intelligence. But but what I do, so you've got Peggy, again, she's meat, as she said, and, and, and it's true, it's fair, that, that one, you know, the sequence with all the men going back and forth and looking at her is phenomenal. But, mm. you know, and you've got Ken grabbing her, um, mm. and that was creepy, Grabbing her, take the afternoon off, you know, that's that's creepy. Yep. I want to say that I I understand that she was um, she was not trying to date Paul. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I didn't find Paul's I mean, she comes, she knocks on his door and inside of that culture, I didn't find his pass offensive. He just kissed her without, mm-hmm. you know, he misread it. Um, and it was aggressive, but he, but, but so here's the thing that was happening. It's like two 30 in the afternoon but on like a Wednesday they, sure. in an office. Sure. There's nothing appropriate about it. The office is empty. <laughs> she, she, well, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying here's what I'm saying. Part of, uh, part of how women protected themselves how part of how men and women in offices at that time and for a long time in offices, how women protected themselves from getting raped was by being taken. And even Understood. even, you know, people would couple. I mean, that's what that's what he needed to hear. The only possible mm-hmm. reason she would reject him right. was was because she she has somebody. But but, right. you know, women and men who were married would would have these affair like it didn't matter in that regard in terms of you needed you needed your protector you needed mm-hmm. you know and and it's crazy but it it is um something written about in feminism it is it is a thing 
is, mm-hmm. is all I'm saying. Um, the, the expectation, the constant, I mean, it's, it's in the pilot, it's in this one. Are you sleeping with Don? Are you going to sleep with Don? Yeah. Who are you going to sleep with? Who gets you? Right. What, part of that is, is just the men being sexist, but part of that is this is the culture they're all existing in. Yeah, every, everybody's existing in the same culture, which, which is, is not a, an equitable one. It's not Mm-mm. nearly egalitarian enough. Um, and it's it's downright cruel in many instances. So, so that's obviously the the atmosphere of the show, and and, and the show does a great job of, of expressing it. Um, but and she's rejecting you know, him, but she's not rejecting the culture. Yes, I have a boyfriend. No, right? No, of course. But meanwhile, she's already slept with Pete, and she's already slept with Pete. There is that. And, she's already so and, right. You know what? I actually forgot with my little with my little speech I just made. I forgot about Pete, which is in her mind. She's already got someone. Doesn't matter that he's married. She's got his postcard his in her desk. But he'll, he's on his honeymoon at the moment, you know. And she steals that postcard, which I also forgot about. And yep. there's a great little you know note within that. I still don't know. I still don't know of any evidence of what the connection is between Peggy and Pete, but that's just how it played out in season one. Um, I never got it. I don't think I ever will, but um, yeah, she, she steals the postcard from the, from the break room, which uh, is, is pretty great. Also, uh, we, we forgot to mention this, but speaking of Pete, this show had a few lead characters established in the pilot. And there is not another show on television that would take their one of their main characters and have him not be in the second episode because he's on his honeymoon yeah. that is right. cr- crazy pretty, pants that that, that they good. did that and incredible just just that's the integrity of the show though the commitment to the story and not to Absolutely. the 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 expected format of of television and you know it's easy to, it's easy to forget that the focus in this episode ends up being as much or more with Peggy, we, we we're led to believe that it's going to be about Betty, and then I guess maybe it's shared somewhat fifty-fifty, but it's all about Betty in the first, you know, third or half of the of the episode. But we really spent a lot of time with with Peggy, so with Peggy. much so that we see a shot of her at her desk, the way the trademark for Don is shooting him from behind the back of his head, right. There is a wonderful shot of Peggy sitting at her desk all of, you know, two weeks into her job or whatever it is. Um, and they're already connecting Don and Peggy with that vantage point. So yeah. we're already told that Peggy share Peggy and Don. Now that I can see more than Peggy and Pete, Peggy and Don share a spiritual connection of some kind that a lot of it plays out, you know, throughout the show, but but certainly gets gets going in this season. Um, but there's no reason to think that yet. Pe- Peggy's not. Peggy's shown to be different. She's shown to be her own her own person, and she's an intriguing character. But we don't. We have no reason to think that she's linked with Don in some meaningful way. Correct. But just that shot, I thought, was a wonderful, a wonderful precursor to that. Um, and then you know, Betty unloads. You know, this wonderful type of monologue people come here they talk about the bomb is that true and i bet people are you know i love you know i get to sit here and talk to you and is okay if i smoke i mean just that whole shot it's that one shot of of betty doing her thing on the couch is really wonderful and it's well written and you begin to 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 lay it all out 
yeah. uh, this relationship they're going to have. And, of course, the, the kicker comes at the end. Oh, my God. We find out that the arrangement, of course, is that Don is uh, is calling the doctor to get the lowdown on, on his wife. This is probably very standard practice. I don't know if it was, if it was indeed standard. I'm sure it's, it's based the, on something. It's it's definitely standard period. practice for this psychiatrist. And again, what what Matt Weiner <laughs> has said is, no, he was just a terrible. He was just terrible. He wasn't. This yeah. isn't a statement on psychiatry in 1960. This is he's awful, and because you know, and got away with it because. Well, he's men, awful, but how awful is the? Husband I was going to say that, because men have, it. or at least this man. Exactly. And, and what, 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 what struck out to me was, you know, in the pilot, we get the kicker at the, at the end of, oh, he's married. He's this, right. He's this philanderer, you know, yeah, <laughs> which I, yeah. I always say like the guy in, um, intolerable cruelty, Baron Von Espy. Never saw philanderer. it. Sorry. <gasps> Never saw it. <gasps> Sorry. Cruelty. You've got Don talking to this doc, you know, last week in the pilot, we see that Don's cheating on Betty, who we didn't know, you know, was his wife until the last moments of the episode. That was the big reveal. Now we find that he's this creep talking to her therapist. So Don, who we're just getting to know, and he's this brilliant dad guy, and he's got this girlfriend in the village and yada yada, but he cheats on his wife. Now he's he's doing this. Like Don's the biggest creep in the history of television inside of two episodes, virtually. And yet he's drawn, he's written, he's great looking. We love Don. He um, is it an cannot, incredibly sympathetic. It cannot be overstated how good looking. Horrible. How good looking. Right. He's not just a little better looking like, than the average. You can't you can't take your you can't you can't he's like Superman. Like he's, a, he's like he levitates. He's He's got a je ne sais quoi. We, if we you will. This. So uh, yeah, so so it's not a mystery that we're with him, but it's almost a, it's almost a, a cruel manipulation by by Matthew Weiner to have this this person that has um, redeeming qualities, his his uh, how good he is at his job, his insights into human nature, all of these things we're beginning to get little clues about. But but he's an awful person. I mean, there's just these aren't these are these aren't small things that are overlooked. These are you know the elements right, of his character. The right guard that, attack uh, on on Ken was was you know was at the snap yeah. of Don's finger, right? That's like he's exactly. <laughs> he's he's terrible. Right. He's, he's objectively like terrible. Charming, he's not just some charming cad. He's really kind of a huge jerk. Yeah. So it's easy to arrogant forget that. Right, it's right. easy to forget that because he's um, so. We, that's right, and it goes into this, you know, larger anti-hero, Tony Soprano, you know, sort of theme of 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 main characters that are not likable in the traditional television sense. But yeah, Matthew Weiner kind of takes it to a whole nother level with yeah, he really with does this in the sense that we are conditioned and programmed to root for this guy, laugh with him, identify with him because who wouldn't. Uh, but the underbelly is, 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 is extraordinary. Well, and, uh, speaking of underbelly, what we didn't talk about is Midge in this episode. 
So we've got, we got like a few midge scenes. Incredible. Right. Again, every scene is so rich. It's hard to know where to go. We've got midge with her wigs. Midge, do not <laughs> talk to me about your wife. We do. I, right. I, it feels cruel. Midge throwing the television out the window. Midge, have you seen this show? People are funny. And then later on, his the children are watching, are watching right. it. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know. It's great. Rosemary it's DeWitt. Great. We love you, and uh, my She's God. Brilliant. But but they paint this picture of Midge as a true bohemian. I yes. mean, that's really what it's about. I mean, she's, I live in the moment, right? She says that at one point, you know? Yeah. And, um, and they're always in this dance of of his expectations of her being unfair, right? There's yes. this, there's this, just ask me, just ask me who gave me this TV. And there's, yeah. there's you know, and you're you're always kind of, well, do they kind of love each other? Like what, you know, but you don't, it yeah. never gets answered because There's it's a not a simple bargain. answer. Yeah. That's right. There's a devil's bargain inherent. And that's part of just how brilliantly everything's written. And there's such a rich backstory to everything that, that we don't really see, but we can infer. And um, yeah, Rosemary DeWitt just plays it perfectly that she doesn't want to be attached to him either. And maybe, and maybe she doesn't. I think it's as conflicted as what we're seeing. I think she kind of wants to be attached to him and she kind of really doesn't want to be attached to him. And she kind of mm -hmm. appreciates his attachment to her and kind of doesn't. And I think it's all there. I think it's all genuine. There's no, there's no secret yeah. final answer is my, no, yeah. no, I think she probably loves the arrangement for what it is. Sometimes wishes it were more or different but understands it can't be. And because she's Bohemian and she she accepts things as they are, yeah. she's not going to be the one to say, when are you divorcing your wife or leave her for me? But also or, she doesn't want I'm that. I'm not doing this out of principle. She doesn't know? want full-time Don Draper. She sure doesn't want to be Betty Draper. She mm -hmm. does not want no. the Don Draper that Betty has. And that's, right. she knows she would get, that's who, he, that's all he can be in a, in a, yeah in a marriage all right so look, i would look, ladies I would, room has 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 done its service it's now a incredibly rich episode for yeah. our for our section line of the week line of the week uh for your submission and actually that was that was a line there you go. <laughs> right? he did the whole twilight zone thing um uh way back in the first scene when roger sterling says to Moses and Don Draper, a couple of princes. <laughs> That's good. I just think that like is that. that is our. <laughs> exactly. And I never got the Moses. Why does he call himself Moses anyway? Oh, I, I was Moses in a basket. Said. I was found in a basket. Because he doesn't, it goes okay. to, he doesn't, it, he goes to, I am not talking about my childhood. <laughs> That's why he, so his story is, I was, I was a baby in a basket. He's, he's a, he's a prince. What a prince. <laughs> what a prince. So listen, we're going to keep it going. We will be. Back next episode with Roberta's favorite episode. Oh my God! It really is maybe my marriage marriage of Figaro. Figaro. It's I have Just plenty to say about it. Episode sure. three of Mad Men, season one, and uh, hope you're enjoying it. Hope you get a lot out of these discussions. We're looking forward to some feedback. Let us know what you think. Follow we'll us. See you. Stay with us. Stick with us, <laughs> and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>